Welcome to the Earn Your Edge podcast. I'm Corey Lumberg from Altos Performance. And if you have Googled any kind of golf instruction topic or just gone down the rabbit hole of YouTube instructional videos, you will have certainly run into some content from our guests this week, Andy Proudman and Piers Ward of Me and My Golf. These guys absolutely own the space when it comes to online instruction. They are awesome guys to chat with. It's no coincidence that they've been so successful in front of a camera. They're charismatic, likable guys who also happen to know a lot about the golf swing. And while a lot of their online content is certainly targeted to a wide audience of high handicappers, they are also expert coaches who support clients at the top of the game. They have supported European tour player Aaron Rye since he was 11 years old. And Aaron just wrapped up last season with a win, a second, and a third in a span of four weeks, vaulting him into the top 100 in the world. And Andy and Pierce share some great details on the work that they did over the lockdown leading up to that great run, how they use stats and some details on what their coaching sessions looked like during that time. And then like we do with any high performer, we dig into the habits and traits that have led to their success. So whether you're a golfer or a coach, anyone in business, there is so much to learn from these guys. A theme that kept popping up in this conversation is just their relentless mindset of patience and just being really consistent with doing the work. And as we know, that is a universal formula for success, no matter the domain. So please enjoy this chat with Andy and Piers. Uh, before you do, we want to shout out our partner, Total Golf Trainer. I've actually seen Andy and Piers use this product. We just released a long form video on our Instagram detailing how we use the Total Golf Trainer to solve a slice. We can't say it enough. This is the Swiss Army knife of golf training aids, and we highly recommend that you head over to totalgolftrainer.com, use the promo code EARNYOUREDGE, and purchase your very own TGT 3.0 kit to help you solve any number of swing faults from short game putting and to full swing. Check it out. You won't be sorry. But first, on to episode 82 of the Earn Your Edge podcast with Piers and Andy of Me and My Golf. Enjoy. I think the first place that I wanted to go to is the, I guess, probably late to the party, the success that you guys experienced in in September, I guess it was of this year with Aaron's victory. And in fact, Aaron hitting that inflection point where not only did he have a victory, but he had a victory after the second place finish. And then he had a third place finish, not more than what, two weeks after that. So maybe as a starting point, just to understand how they do it in the Midlands, in the UK, how did you guys celebrate the victory? And then as a follow-up to that, we'd like to unpack what that inflection point was with Aaron and maybe dig a little, little deeper into your guys' work with him. How do we celebrate? So I actually, I actually had to go at him by saying, can you stop playing well so I can have my Sundays when I'm not watching the telly? <laughs> um, the first thing, because you're right, he was on this sort of, this sort of spell of, you know, it was just a, an unbelievable streak, but yeah, I mean, celebrating it really. It's something that we're not actually that good at. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> um, but we know how important that is. And I think it's something that, that we as a business and as people are, are actually working on in terms of celebrating the successes because we know how important that is to actually take stock and appreciate what you've, what you've accomplished. And certainly sure. we're instilling that in Aaron as well because for his development and with all the effort that he, put, that he puts in, it is important for him to take stock. But I think the limitations of COVID have sort of stopped that really. <laughs> but we still be drunk now otherwise. Exactly. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I think the celebration that we had actually was very small, but we had a sort of joint conversation call with him and his dad. Yeah. And it's just more of a team congratulations. Well done, guys. And it was probably a 15, 20-minute call reminiscing on some of the stuff that happened years ago and just appreciating sort of 
I suppose the magnitude of what he'd done really. So it was more of just a phone call for 15, 20 minutes. And I suppose if we were able to do something, we'd, we'd have gone for a curry and a couple of beers, to be fair. That Beautiful. would be our celebration. But um, yeah, the limited uh, situation just restricted it a bit. So and when you guys get out to the, to the UK and you come to the Midlands, you know you'll have a proper curry. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not sure... The curries in, in Dallas are that good. I'm sure the barbecues are great, but I don't know about the curries. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced quite a few curries in my time traveling over to the UK and uh, can certainly advocate in favor of them. Not, I'm not too sure Corey would be, no, uh, I, would I be up for so. it. But so what, what was the inflection point for those yeah. guys, for Aaron? I mean, what what changed? Was there a moment where you, where you said, you know what, we've got evidence that things are really, really good right now, or is there a certain skill area that you guys saw an opportunity and needed to improve that then kind of moved the needle to that kind of performance? Lockdown. Lockdown is the key. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's, soon as um, soon as sort of the first lockdown happened, me and Pierce are always in the mindset of just really focusing on what you can do and the opportunities. And Aaron's very in the same mindset. So it was like, right, here's an opportunity to learn, to get better, to use this time productively. And we were lucky that um, we had a little bit of time with him to work at work at his game, but really look deep at what the areas that he was lacking on. And, and we've really gone heavily into the stats over the last probably six months into the stats to really understand exactly what was going on, what was missing. Because Aaron, in previous years, would come back from a tournament, he'd miss a cut, and we'd say, well, look, how did you play? And he'd go, well, not bad. Played pretty good. <laughs> and we're like, well, how's he missing a cut? And he was playing pretty good. Right. Well, when we when we sort of got more in, in tune with the stats and sort of got him on board with that as well, it really un, unlocked the the details of okay, well, what his is what's his not bad and why is he saying this? So for him, it was unlocking. A, 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 I suppose he's a master in hitting greens. He's so accurate and he hits lots of greens, but his proximity was considerably out in terms of how close he was to the hole. So we looked at that as an opportunity to improve, and that makes sense because. His strategy was to make pars, maybe, and not make mistakes. So he's hitting greens thinking he's playing well, but in reality, he's not giving himself the chances to make birdies and, and sort of further him up the leaderboard, really. So we looked a little bit deeper into that and go, well, what is it in terms of his proximity? His iron plays fantastic. It's a strategy thing. We've got to condition that in, in the right way in practice and at tournaments. And then also looking another another layer deeper, Aaron's never, re- never really been in trouble. He never really hits really strange shots so he's never had to struggle and have the versatility of missing lots of greens and and the creativity that he needs when when he missed greens was wasn't there so during that period of time it was like right let's go deep into to helping him understand the different lies the different situations what he was lacking from a short game side of things to give him the confidence to free up on some of the longer stuff that will allow him to ha- actually have a better strategy to access some of the flags that he wanted to go for, that he could take the opportunity of doing really. So the lockdown was a, a massive blessing in disguise for Aaron because the one thing that he learned as well was he learned sort of a little bit more of what motivates him more. So he had some time there to think, well, what, why am I playing the game and what really, what excites me and what gets me moving forward? So there's a lot of things uncovered during that, that straight out of the lockdown, it was like he was a different golfer. Brilliant. Not from having to change too much technically as well. It's interesting as well how he how his his superpower hundred percent. You guys talk about this. His superpower is straight hitting, but it was his superpower was being built on, built on, built on all the time because of an inadequate inadequacy in his short game. So he's obviously struggled. Not he didn't have a bad short game, but as Andy said, he wouldn't have lots of opportunity to use it. So when he did use it, he wouldn't perform so well. So he'd shy away from it and go, right, I'm going to just keep ingraining my superpower. 
Yeah, interesting you say that. And then I want to ask a question about that strategy piece, the experience of the great ball strikers. I had a conversation last week at the, actually the start of this week with Daniel Berger, who last week hit uh, 92% of his greens out in Hawaii, finished second in the field in greens regulation. But yet the stats suggest he had a really poor week short game from a strokes game standpoint. Well, that's only because he hit four or five chips for the entire week. And you hit one of those and that informs the average and pulls the average down. You're going to have statistically a bad kind of rap sheet or report card, right? But you got to kind of push those things under the carpet or take action where appropriate. So it's interesting how you guys dug into the stats and went multiple layers deep. On the front of tactics, Andy, you just mentioned that that had to be kind of trained, had to be cultured in there. That's one thing to say I need to take more chances or fire up more more pins when I uh, see it as a green light or yellow, yellow light situation, but it's another to actually create that as the normal behavior. How did you guys achieve that? Was that you've got to take more chances in practice rounds to then be more comfortable taking chances in the actual event? Or what were the ideas? What, what were the action steps you took? I think it was a mixture of a, a few things, really. I think it was a, a lot. The awareness was just massive for him. You know, he wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. So he was like, well, I thought I was playing pretty good. And just he actually thought that his putting was really bad <laughs> because he's missing a lot of puts from 35 feet. Right. <laughs> So the, the awareness for him was like, okay, I need to get it inside 20 feet a little bit more and give myself some makeable putts. So that was a massive thing. But then really, I think how we worded it as well, because Aaron's not an aggressive player. We, we were careful in how we talk about being aggressive. And it's not about that. It's just being sensible and smart at the right times. But we had the opportunity of really going, spending a lot more time with him. And we would force him to do the things that he necessarily didn't want to do. So we, we'd set in some challenges on the golf course where we go, right, we're going to go on the course today and it's going to be very much about proximity. So we'd set a proximity test that would be tighter than, let's say, the tour average. And then we say, well, look, your idea today is to, to shoot level par for nine holes. But if you, if you miss the proximity, we're throwing you off the green into a situation that is challenging. So we would say, right, the, the great thing about that, it deepens his awareness to the proximity and really strengthens that. But at the same time, we're testing out his short game and also giving him a challenge in terms of a score as well. So we sort of conditioned it in a way quite often then, well, proximity, and then he showed up any red flags in his short game and what areas that he lacked, what tools he needed to perform, whether it was in a rough, whether it was a high high shot or whatever it was. And then tied in with with Jason, his caddy, in terms of how can I use this to look at the, the green light in terms of what holes can I really be uh, different on where I can maybe take a more aggressive line off the tee with the driver instead of playing safe and in six iron in. So it shifted his whole mindset to how he actually mapped his way around the golf course. It's it's amazing just that one shift without having to do so many technical thoughts just has changed his whole approach to the game really. As I'm listening to that, there's some really high level coaching concepts in there. And then I'm thinking, how do these guys balance the normal coaching duties they have with at the same time, you, you guys are, are running what is basically a, an a media company and, and probably one of the, the most popular and growing within golf. And so from best I can tell, you guys don't really keep the normal, the typical golf coaches schedule. Can you, I, I guess, to, to satisfy my own curiosity, what's a, a typical day in the life look like for you guys? How are you guys balancing the, your coaching tour player? You're I'm assuming have your own coaching daily coaching business when you're not in lockdown there in the UK. And then you've got this massive media company. And, and then I know you guys are, are both pursuing personal excellence and continued development and improvement for yourself. So I guess, how do you fit that into the day? What's a normal day look like for you guys? We, we very much use that eighth day of the week really yeah, well. Sure. Do you know what? I think the, the, the key is we just schedule everything. 
as you say, we have to. I mean, if we were just to, with the amount of responsibilities we've got, if we weren't able to schedule ourselves weeks in advance, we wouldn't have a, a clue in, on how to do it. I think we, we're very set, really. When Aaron's back here in a, a non-tournament week, we, uh, Friday is his. So Friday will be his, that we'll spend the day with him. If it's in a tournament week, Monday morning is his. You know, We'll speak to him on a Monday morning and just review what's going on. And because his technique doesn't need too much. I suppose we're quite lucky really in that his long game technique doesn't need too much. It literally needs the calibrations that we've set for him to do on a Monday morning. He will do those. So he'll do those. He'll do his trackman data. He'll do his golf swing. He'll do the videos that we want. We get the information back. He tells us what the flights are that he's hitting and how he's feeling. And we can sort out anything by Monday night, really. So that's as far as Aaron's concerned. We'll only, we only really coach now on a, like a Tuesday night and a Saturday morning. So we, we're limited on how we do that. And then the rest of the time, as you say, is the balance then between creating the content as much in advance as possible, but then making sure you're running the business as well. You know, I mean, you know, we've got 11 people in the business now that we have to, you know, we've got to make sure that they're, they're fed on a, on a monthly basis. So it is literally about scheduling. It's, it's pretty boring, really. We don't have lives, basically. That's what he's <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> we don't have social lives. Well, I, I want to get into to the business and the, the creating the content. I have tons of questions for you guys, but just again, satisfying my own curiosity because Cameron and I collaborate with clients a lot and we work with the same, same clients. I'm curious how you guys, what does the division of labor look like when you guys, both of you are collaborating and working with one, one student, one client, Do you guys have set kind of rules and responsibilities that you guys have in terms of just working with one customer from a, yeah, with, with, say with Aaron. Oh, with Aaron. Yeah. I mean, not really. No. I mean, this is something that I think me and Pierce have coached together, not necessarily together, but we've had our coaching business together for since 2006. So I suppose we've coached alongside each other for a long time. So we sort of know each other so well that when working with Aaron, it's just a, it's just a very much a collaborative, collaborative effort. You know, we, we understand what he needs from a golf swing point of view. We'll have conversations of, of what we need to tell Aaron at the right time. So it's like, well, does he need to know this yet or, or can we hold this back? Or So it's um, there's not necessarily a set one. And Aaron's the only person that we coach together. We've coached him since he was 11 years old. So it's uh, it's been an interesting sort of road to see him progress and from a young kid to where he is now. But it just works in terms of our relationship. It's uh, it's very open. It's all about Aaron. It's all about the you know the development of him and what's best for him. So I think I think if you, to your point though as well, if, if Andy was ill on a Saturday morning and I turned up and did his lessons for him, I would know what he'd be working on with that person within five minutes. I, you right. know that conversation because we, we just learned a lot of the stuff we've just done together. I think we just share we share everything. And the same as you guys, really. I'm sure you're the same. That if sure. you know, Corey, you're, you can't turn up on a Saturday morning. Cam can cover for you, and he'll know within five minutes what you're working out with him. You mentioned you've been coaching Aaron since he was 11 years old, and uh, just a little bit of research that I was able to find suggests that you guys have known each other since you were about the same age at the same golf club. But I wanted to give to give you guys a chance to tell some level of the story, maybe the version that you tell at the cocktail party where no one knows you. You guys show up at the cocktail party, and someone asks, "Well, what do you guys do? What story do you tell?" Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, first thing we have to say is we're not together. You know, we have <laughs> got married last year, so let's just clear that one up straight away. Turn so, me down. Turn him down. Yeah, <laughs> for another guy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know what? We played junior golf together. We didn't start till quite late. So I think you were thirty, and I was sixteen. We played junior golf together, and I think we always said 
that we obviously got on well from an early age. We always said we ought to do a coaching business together. And we did that. Andy was working at a driving range. He said to me, look, we've got an opportunity. Let's go in there and we'll talk to the, the landlord. We can, you know, have an opportunity here to start something special. We did that for six years. And literally the fifth year of that journey, we were ready. We signed our last 15 month contract knowing we were going to leave because we just started looking at doing me and my golf. So the passion that we wanted to do, we had a real big passion around traveling. I think that's what stopped us being in the same place and made us look towards YouTube. So the travel aspect, we went traveling for three months. We flew out to the States, did two months in the States, starting at New York, down through, down to Florida, then up to Chicago, over to San Diego, up to San Fran. And along and, those travels, you were filming content? Yeah, 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 we were filming content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and you know, so we, were, we, we did some stuff with Martin Hall. Mm -hmm. Then we go over to do some stuff with the TPI guys in, in California. And then we're doing some stuff with Dennis McDade in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. You know, we went out to Australia. We went out to, um, we played Royal Melbourne, which was amazing after having two hours sleep. Hung over that. That was a hung, hung over <laughs> game of golf, that was. But, um, and then finished off in Hong Kong and China, and then straight back. And then we were full tilt into, into me and my golf then. I think one of the things as well is, I mean, if there's, there's golf coaches <coughs> listening to this, I think we made a, we've done everything that we wanted to achieve at the, at the driving range and this golf club and this academy. We grew it and we thought, well, what's next? There was something missing for us in terms of we love coaching. People were coming with problems to us, very similar, similar concepts, similar ideas that we go, these just aren't quite right. So we thought, well, how can we educate people? Because golfers were coming to us uneducated and, and we saw that that was a big opportunity that if they knew some concepts and what they should be doing, and had the right images in their mind, it would shape a better golf swing and a, and a better movement and some improvement. So that was something that shaped us as well. But also we like, well, as much as we love coaching, we didn't want to stand on a driving range doing 50 lessons a week and get burnt out. So we, we thought, well, how can we create a, a life where we, we still coach, we love coach, we, coaching, we help a lot of people, but we create some variety, but also create a business where we can make money while we're sleeping as well. Because instead of just in exchanging, you know, your your time for money, how can we create a business that's going to enable us to also live a lifestyle that we want, or something something bigger where we can travel and do other things? So that was on the the back burner of that. We didn't necessarily know how we could do that exactly, but we sort of wanted to explore that, and that's where the trip came along. And then when we got back from the trip, we didn't really have anything, including money, including money, <laughs> and. Um, you know, to the point where we just had this vision of me and my golf and what it could potentially do. And we just said, well, look, let's just go all in on this. Let's be patient. Let's be consistent. Let's deliver some great value to the world. And something will come back in a few years time. And I think we were paying ourselves between 50 and 100 pound a week for two or three years. Wow. We didn't earn any money for two or three years, but we just knew if we consistently put out some good value and something would come back and we'd get something from it. And we had this vision that it, that it could work. And I think we were fortunate to get in at the right time and saw the opportunity. And we, we never had a doubt on this, by the way, as well, because you look back at it and it's not rational what we did. Right. But at the time, it was like the totally rational thing to do. So all our friends were going, what are you leaving the three hammers for? And what, you know, what are you, what's this me and my golf YouTube? What's all this nonsense? You're not even going to make any money doing that. You know, our parents at the time were going, hang on a bit, what's going on here? This is a serious midlife crisis here <laughs> in, in your 30s. And we're like going, we just never had any, we were so resolute that it would work. We didn't know exactly how, but we knew there was something there. And I suppose we just kept going. And we were very fortunate that we didn't have to kids to feed and things like that. Obviously, it makes things very different then, I'm sure. But yeah, we just had to go at it, really. As you reflect back on those early days, you've obviously, you're building up this content. You said that you're staying really patient. And so some of that is just the uh, 
a audience is going to build over time. They get to know you and you have the more content you have, the more people it can reach. But can you guys early on point to either a change in how you produce the content or deliver the content that served as kind of a, an inflection point and like, Oh man, now a lot of people are paying attention to me or was it just that steady build? And I'm just curious if you guys were iterating, I'm sure you were during that process, trying to figure out what are people going to respond to the most until you finally notice that, okay, here's kind of our formula. This is what we seem to be getting the, the most response from during those early days. I think it was just a steady burner. You know, it just kept yeah. going. There was never really a point when we went, hang on a bit, this is when it's changing the game. I, th- I think we always felt, we always felt this, and not to say that this content isn't good because it is very good. We've been very fortunate when you're filming with Rory and DJ and all of those guys. They're, they're you know, massive experiences, but they're not really the ones that, that change the game. The ones that change the game really are the consistent videos which are helping Mr. and Mrs. Smith just helping them break a hundred for the first time. They're the ones that really get the traction because they're more personal, they're more relatable. It's great seeing how Rory or you know, Jordan Speed hits certain shots, but the person watching that's probably going, I'm not sure I can really do that. Right. And when you're talking the masses of the people that we deal with, because we're always, you know, I would say we're looking for anyone sort of 10 handicap upwards, really, the higher end. That's where we feel the most golfers are, and that's where we feel we put the most value into it. But yeah, I, I think. No real inflection points. And I just think it was just the steady stuff that engages and makes it relatable to the person watching it. I think one question that we ask, not necessarily out loud, but internally, I would say we ask this question every single week is how can we make it better? And I think that's just something we've done from day one. We look at a piece of content and go, how can we make the the production better? How can we be better on camera? How can we deliver the, the practicality of it better? And um, how can the graphics maybe paint a better picture in that as well? And I think it's amazing when we look back now, even a six-month-old video from, well, six months ago, it starts to look a little old, but it's only because the, the small incremental changes that we do each week, when you look back in six months, you go, actually, that was really different back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily notice it week by week when you make one subtle change or a slight change here and there. It's just when you look back, you see the big change and big difference then. Titleist has just introduced the all-new Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X featuring longer distance, softer feel, and increased control. There's no better ball in golf, and it just got even better. We've been having fun at Altus learning about the new improvements and testing them out with players. Most notably, the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X have been completely reimagined from core to cover. There's a new aerodynamic cover, casing layer, and core technologies that help deliver longer distance, softer feel, and even more greenside spin and control. Having the right equipment and tools is such a massive part of earning an edge over the competition and you've got to be able to trust that your golf ball will perform and absolutely nothing performs like a pro v1 and pro v1x always bring your best go load up on the all-new pro v1 and pro v1x for the next level of total performance One of the questions I wanted to ask, so it's interesting you touched on it, the DNA of an effective video that would be posted on any social media platform. Clearly, it's different when you've got a one minute on Instagram versus any number of minutes or long form on YouTube. But what are those lessons maybe synthesized into two or three points of importance? Because I, I did, in research for this, I looked back at what I at least suppose was one of the very first videos on a random driving range with with peers in it. And you're, you're talking about fixing the slice, right? Every lesson that uh, anyone on YouTube wants to search for, right? But yet 
when you look at the polished product that exists now, whether it exists on YouTube or it exists on your guy's website, it's dramatically different and therefore probably far more sticky, right? And effective. What would you synthesize out our two or three key points for someone listening out there and wanting to do something similar on the socials? I think one thing that that we are, that we're more fanatical about now is looking at the actual, the analytics and the data. So one key thing is just understanding the platform and understanding everything behind it. So I'd say from, from a YouTube side of things, I'll give you an example. We used to start a YouTube video and we'd be going like, uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to me and my golf. Uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, it's a beautiful day here. We're here at the golf course. And then you've lost people. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that intro is so important. So now it's our intros now would be, how do you want to lose five shots with this, these two drills that we're going to show you? So you've got to get them on the hook in that first five seconds because that the first five to ten, 10 seconds are crucial because they're going to watch this and go, is this worth me spending 10 minutes of my time? And if, you, if you're not letting them know what they're going to experience and give them a teaser, they're going to go. And the, there's always a big drop-off at the start on a video when you look at the analytics. So from us now, we are the danger of us when we're together is we just talk a lot and getting us to shut up is quite hard. So <laughs> it's quite hard to actually be to the point. But understanding the platform has enabled us to do that. You go, okay, wh- where are they dropping off? Why are they dropping off? What did we say? Okay, let's get more to the point. Let's get straight into the practical things. Because people search for us for help. They're not coming to see us and go, okay, I just want to watch Andy and Pierce for 10 minutes, just talk. <laughs> right. They're going, right, how can, I, how can I really get some value for my short game? Where's the tip? Where's the, come on, get to the tip. And we have to get better in that. And we're still working so hard at doing that, at just delivering the value, concise, to the point, but also not losing what we feel is really important, which is the understanding and the concept behind it all, because we want people to leave with the education and with the clarity of why they're doing that, not just here's a drill, go and do it and get better. It's like, well, here's a drill. This is the concept behind it. This is why. Here's the education packaged all together in in as short as possible. So that's one big one. Eight, eight years ago, you'd have been able to get away with doing what we used to do. And that was the hard part for us. So we had to understand. It's kind of like tour golf now, isn't it? You know, you think about a tournament golfer 20 years ago, what they did, they'd be able to survive in the top 50 of the world, maybe. Now it's probably a little bit different and they need to be more of their game. So us doing that style of intro, for instance, eight years ago, it worked still because there was less competition. There weren't many people doing it. Now, as you guys know, there's loads of competition out there and there's just loads of fantastic stuff as well, really good stuff. So you've got to be able to, as Andy says, capture their imagination straight away. But then you've just got to make sure it's real clear, simple, and they are along for the journey for the whole video. Another key, key one, I think, which would be valuable to the listeners for this is that, and this is, again, look, we're, all, we're learning so much every single week and just trying to adjust and adapt and evolve every, every, every time we go into doing things. And myself and Pierce, we, 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 I suppose we're very professional. We want to put that across. I think understanding that social media isn't TV and it doesn't need to be TV. People want to really connect with that person behind the camera. And if you're too produced, too heavily like TV, that almost puts like a little bit of a barrier up between that. And, you know, with these things now on, on you know, with the phones and social media, if camera, you're on the range or Corey, you're on the range and you've got the, the camera here, there's, no, there's nothing more connected than, than you holding that phone to your face because they can really feel like they're with you on that. So this is something that we're sort of shifting on and going, well, it doesn't need to be TV. The quality, yes, needs to be good in terms of the coaching, but from a connection standpoint, it doesn't have to be like that. It's okay being a little bit raw and it's okay being 
less polished, really, I'd say. This is an interesting one. I actually had a phone call today with a golf pro who was looking to start a YouTube channel. He phoned me and said, look, can I have some advice? He said, and this is, I think this might be relative to some of the guys who are listening to this, obviously, who are coaches and thinking about this sort of stuff. He was saying, I'd love to do a YouTube channel, but I haven't got a camera and I'm worried about the editing time. And, you know, I said, look, I says, have you got a mobile phone? <laughs> just start with that. He says, because he, he does a lot of Instagram stuff. I said, look, just turn the camera around the other way, go landscape and just have a go with your camera as you've got it. And you'll find you can, as Andy says, you can get it's rawer and it's more, if the camera's closer to your face, you're engaging more. That person is there with you. If they are in our old style videos, especially the camera might be 20 feet away. You know, we wanted that so we could show all of the lines that you've got to get into to describe the, the swing fault that we're talking about or how to improve that and the drill or whatever. But actually now we're just seeing more and more, we'll get the camera in your face and just be connecting to it. Yeah. You said that it was a pretty steady burn with the growing of the viewership and then that you guys continually get, just got better through reps, but maybe there was an inflection point in adding skills through other positions. Can you guys look back to say, Hey, when we started to add these team members and they don't have to be specific people, but are there specific positions that were really a force multiplier? Because I think about you guys in, in these early days and there's a set of skills like technical skills that would be common to maybe content specialists or a marketer that we don't really come by as golf coaches. And I'm sure that there's plenty that you guys learned on the fly as you went, but was, was there a moment where you expanded your team or where you felt like y'all were in a position to say, Hey, we can add somebody and we can really make this better pretty quickly because we're going to recruit a set of skills that we don't have as golf coaches. I think the last few years, only really probably the last two or three years, I think we've, we've really done that we've had getting the specific editors in to really own that space so we've got three editors now we've got hannah we've got sean and we've got simon and they all look after a specific part of the business ones on big coaching plans high production sean looks after youtube that's his that's his baby and then simon does the sort of the weekly stuff that goes up so having them really understand us in terms of what we want at the videos and understand golf and then owning that space really takes a lot of the pressure off us. You know, for the first three to four years, maybe a little bit more, there was me, there was Pierce, and there was two other guys who were just pushing it forward and just doing a lot of everything. So it's been, I'd say, the last few years where we're just starting to, to sort of formulate a team and get everybody owning their own space that can really drive us to where we want to go and, and what, we, what the mission is really. So we sort of, I think at the moment, we're sort of in a position where we're just feeling everybody settling in their role and on board with with the direction in terms of what we want to go and it's a, it's a nice place to be when when we've been doing it for so long ourselves to have somebody else take care of that but also being able to hand it over with complete trust that they're going to deliver what you expect them to deliver as well and there's a lot of lessons from business that we learn and leadership and there's there's so much that we're investing in from our side of things behind the scenes from that as well that we're just trying to figure out ourselves at the moment and keep pushing forward that early point that you were saying there about the beginning for us, when it was just us you know, doing the filming, it would have been very easy. And this is why I think a lot of people don't do this because they'll do a video, they'll be by themselves, they'll watch it back and go, I can't put that, that's crap. You know, there's, there's no way I can, I'm not going to go through the turmoil of putting that up online. Are you inside my head right now? Are you inside yeah. my head? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you guys should carry on because you are awesome. But the, the, the good thing with having me and Andy there was it literally, I could do a video 
And if I felt that way, he's going, no, 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 we'll just stick it up. He's obviously thinking it'll be fine, or he's trying to get a rise out of it and actually, you know, <laughs> have some ammunition on me from the comments. But right. but the, anyone listening to this who's thinking about doing it, just do it. There's no better, I shouldn't say that being without a desk, but it's the only thing that you have to do to get started is to start. And just take the flack that you're going to get. You know, you're going to get some keyboard warriors, that's fine, but you're going to help somebody. And I say, as long as one person, I always say to anyone, as long as one person has said, you just helped me, then you've done your job. I wanted to go back because Corey mentioned something and it kind of alluded to players on the field, right? You guys are dual center forwards, if you will. Uh, and you've got, you, you mentioned three editors, but you also mentioned there are 11 people on staff right now. What are the other players that fill out to make up the team? So yeah, we've got a marketing manager. We've got a social media manager. We've got a salesperson we've just taken on. We've never had a salesperson before. So the amount of leads that we get through social media and through emails and live chats on the website, it's crazy. We never really serviced that. We've got um, another marketing executive. We've got a brand manager. And I think that might be it. Is that uh, all of them? We've got Neil, who's the CFO. He yeah. looks after the commercial yeah. side of things behind the scenes and the website and the operations of the business. I don't think there's anybody else. No, there won't be. And we've got an accounts girl, Emma. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah That's, that's yeah. it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, cur- curious. Curious because it's such a massive, massive machine. And I'm sure that we'll want to ask more questions related to that. But I wanted to go back and pull on at a different thread that Andy, you were referring to earlier. And Piers, I think you even touched on it as well. And that's um, getting better. And uh, it's one thing to get 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 better in the areas that complement the ability to create really engaging content and then market that content, et cetera, et cetera. And it's another thing to get better at the X's and O's of coaching. And you mentioned traveling around the United States, if not the world, in fact, and learning from other coaches. So that's one way to experience what others are doing and then upgrade your own skills. And another way is to actually do the coaching, which you did early on at volume. What are the other sources that you guys use either historically that you keep on tapping into or currently to date an, a new resource that you may be tapping into that's um, filling up your X's and O's bucket that then informs the type of content that you make? The Earn Your Edge podcast. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Lovely plug. Now, it's, it's a fantastic place to learn, isn't it? I mean, you're going to learn things from doing this, you know, and, and the good thing that we have now, I suppose, with what we've done, you know, we have built up. I'm not saying I'm going to open the doors to this, but if I if I had a question about Aaron, for instance, Cam or Corey, I could perhaps text you now or message you and say, look, I've got this question. Would you mind answering it? Right. So I suppose we've earned a right in some people's eyes because of what we've done to be able to do that. But I think online is just huge. And there's so much good stuff out there that it's a really good learning course before us, whether it be for learning about the golf swing or the short game stuff, whatever. But also the just as Andy says, the leadership stuff, you know, running a team. I mean, that's 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 a crucial thing for us because the more we learn about running a team and, and being in charge of a team, it can help you in all elements, whether it's creating content, whether it's creating a marketing campaign, or even last night, you know, last night we were on a call with Aaron. There's the Aaron, there's the caddy, there's the fitness guy, there's the stats guy, and there's us two, and we're the ones who have to be in control of that. So we have to learn, you know, what leaders do, I suppose. We're definitely learning junkies. And um, our days, like if I go a day or two days without learning something new, it just doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just going backwards. So I think just continuing to learn every single day as much as possible is just key. And whether that's audio books or whether that's a, a book, whether it's a podcast, listening to your podcast, we learn from the guests that we got on our podcast, which is, which is fantastic. So that's the beauty of creating content. If we collaborate with somebody, 
we get to share it with everybody else, but also we get to mm-hmm. take notes and learn. And some of our um, creators that we've got for the websites, whether it be on health and nutrition, on the mindset with Carl Morris, and, and you know, there's lots of different ways that we do it. But also, I think one of the the, the areas that we delve into, which which I think is is really important, is just I think just general human behavior. I think we're very interested just in people because yes, there's there's golf and there's the golf swing and, and that, but ultimately there's people behind that golf swing. And the more we can learn about human beings, the better we can be actually coaching them. And I think one of the things that we are very mindful that we do with Aaron is we're coaching him the person. You know, we look at him the complete person and and look at how can we make him a better person, not just how can we make his golf swing better. Right. So it's a very, it's a very sort of full approach to the whole thing. I was, we were having a chat with him last night and talking about rest, recovery, scheduling, all sorts of different things to make him a better human being. So it's something that we're just passionate about, that we're really intrigued about, that we want to continue to learn really. So not just going de- deep in golf swing, it's exploring the, the other things around that, which sort of, which influence being a, a decent golfer. And there's so many, there's so many links to golfers and, and just obviously just a, uh, personal growth, really. Right. And on the other side of that, as best as we can tell, 50%, maybe more of our audience are actually players at some level, whether whether they be the youth players or developing professionals or, or currently world-class professionals. And you guys have been blessed, right, to spend time around the uh, brand ambassadors for TaylorMade Adidas. And from that, I'm sure you've picked up nuggets of wisdom that pertain to uh, skill sets or mindsets from the best players in the world. As you think about that question, and there are one or two things that stand out either generally or if one or two things stand out specifically related to a couple of the players that you've spent time around that would inform or be interesting for our listeners to hear as they try and level up their own uh, game mindset or game skills? I, I tell you one, one thing that's really been interesting for us, we've experienced this a little bit, is actually Rory's journey. I think Rory's journey, the last, I don't know how long it would be, maybe the first five years or something like that. I suppose you look at major championships. If you look back at Rory McIlroy's career and you look back at the major championships he's won in the last five years, you're going to go, well, this was maybe a slump in his career. But as far as a person's concerned, you're very aware that he is very much into what's making him the best possible version of himself. And he's been very, and you can, you can see, you know, you see pictures of him 10 years ago versus now, and he looks like an athlete, but how he treats himself, how knowledgeable he is about himself from a recovery phase, you know, his involvement in whoop, maybe, you know, what he does on his rituals, you know, his, what he does, you know, wearing blue light glasses before he goes to bed and having an app on his phone, which blocks out a lot of his social media. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's been as aware as him that we've worked with, who's actually shown that quality. Mm-hmm. No. So I think he's I I, think so. basically, yes, he can win some majors from now. Of course he can. We know that. But him as a person, you're probably, he's probably be as happy as he's ever been. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I, when, when I think about all these players and when we spend time with them, I think the one thing that, that is consistent is just how different they all are and how how many different ways there is to do it. You know, when we're talking to John Ron, with DJ, with Rory, with some of the guys that we did some content with this year, they really know themselves very well. And I think they 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 pick the brains of all the others while they're there and, and understand how that could be applied to them. And I think some of the players, and we've certainly seen this with with good players coming up on the tour where they get to the tour and think they need to change everything because they're in this now new environment and they start looking at what other people are doing and they, they end up losing themselves 
Um, so I think a real big skill that they've got, whether it's a skill, is just being really, just understanding who they are, what's important to them and what they're good at, what's got them to that point, and then adding bits to that, adding bits of knowledge to that, which is going to advance them as opposed to going, how do I change me, who I am? And I think that's, for me, that's the one big thing that stands out to all those guys. They're really comfortable with themselves. They know who they are, but they're still willing to learn off everybody else and, and, and pull little bits which apply to their game, really. And there's definitely like a, an impervious nature to them as well. You know, they won't let anything penetrate unless it is something that they really feel that can help them. And then obviously they'll spend a bit more time with their team discussing whether it's a good idea or not. But yeah, you know what it's like. I mean, if you... For, for someone to go and tell us, recommend something to Jordan, maybe, you know, that's, uh, you know, another player, he's probably just going to be, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm not going to, he's not going to go away and suddenly start doing that. He may, if it makes sense, he may come converse that with you guys and go, what do you think about this? Is it worth looking at? But yeah, the impervious nature of a professional athlete versus a, an amateur golfer, you know, it's like you can give a lesson on a Saturday by sure. a Sunday morning. The Dave Smith in his four ball is actually now his coach. <laughs> And I, I also go back to the, I think it was at the um, uh, the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit a couple of years ago. And I think, I don't know whether you guys were there when Hal Sutton was on stage. Were you there then? I wasn't there. Yeah. It was just interesting just to listen. He was amazing sort of talk, really. And he was he was talking about that he was having success and um, he was he wanted to win round Augusta. And he said, he said that he was really insecure when he was on tour. And he said how he got to tour was just wanting to make birdies, just wanted to make birdies. That's it. He just get, you know, just let's just make birdies. But he said he got on tour. He didn't play very well around Augusta and some media personality. Sorry. So sorry, media magazine or whatever it was said that, um, Hal Sutton will never win round Augusta because he can't hit the golf ball high enough. Now he says what, what he then did was go, he, he went to straight and work at his game to hit the golf ball higher. And he says his game basically went to shit because of that, because he was so insecure that he actually listened to somebody who actually didn't really have any any right to sort of say anything. And he tried to change his whole game to suit them. So I think having that security with who you are and knowing you're at your own game, that was a great story that I actually, talked about that. I actually videoed it. I will find it and I will send it to you because it was really, yeah, I mean, it was literally, it was like it was climaxing. And like It was like a movie at the end. It was just phenomenal. You know, yeah. quite emotional, quite emotional. Brilliant. Hey, normally when we wrap up these chats, we say, okay, now, uh, where can people find you online? Where can we send them to? <laughs> and that, that's a much different conversation here. There's plenty of places we can send them, but I do want to, I, I want to specifically point people towards the online coaching plans because last night as I'm doing a little bit of research, I dug more into them than I have before. And I, I just thought, thought they're brilliant just from like a, a learning design standpoint, how the curriculum is organized and then presented in easily digestible ways that are also really targeted to a very certain, very specific demographic within golf of what someone would be looking at based on where they are in their game. I'd love to hear just kind of the process that you guys go through from iteration and, and building that curriculum. And then from, from shooting and launching and marketing those, I mean, what's the, what's the lifespan of, okay, we've come up with this coaching plan to now this is something that we're delivering and it's on our website. Yeah, I mean, it would probably take us. Thank you for your kind words on that, by the way, Corey. That's good. So let's say like a break 100, which is one of our popular ones. So what that would have entailed would have been probably about five days of me and Andy planning it. So it would have been yeah. a big planning process, you know, going through it, breaking down each week, you know, six weeks, five segments per week. 
you know, and then obviously trying to test it in our mind to make sure that we feel that this will still add value because you can obviously overload it and do too much. We want to make sure that they can just work at it on a weekly basis. So once we've done that, it will then take us three days to film it. And then it might take up to two months for Hannah to edit it. So it's a big project. And so I would say that you've probably got three month lead time before you get anywhere near from inception to actually getting it ready for the market. But then you want to have at least a good two to three weeks of the campaign, which leads up to it and probably break 100 of my best campaigns. It was a while ago that we did it and we haven't probably quite replicated it since as good as that one. But, you know, and then then it's about, well, once you have this product, which is really good, how are you going to talk about it? You've got to get people involved. So you've got to do a break 100 challenge, whatever that might look like, and then just get people involved in it from that way. But it's a good solid three-month process yeah. from inception to, to going live. The question that comes to mind as you're explaining that, which, which is something that we wrestle with at length and sometimes agree on, sometimes disagree on, but almost always never find the right sweet spot of price the first time, is how do you find that sweet spot of price and how much adjusting and figuring out does it require for you to feel like, okay, we've got it? I think, well, well the one thing that we do in terms of cost is that our, our sort of main thing is our membership. So we want, we want people to be a member and a part of this community where they can re- sort of really get the support that they need. But for instance, let, let's look at a break 100. We look at the things that we've got in there from a, a golf swing sort of standpoint, but also some of the on-course stuff that's involved in there as well. We look at that and we had a conversation probably about a month, two months ago and says, well, what's the actual real value? How much would that cost in there for somebody to actually go and learn that from a golf coach? And there's so many lessons in there on course that would take up people a long six ha- time. Six half-day sessions, it would be, you'd think. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. even full-day sessions is what, what's packaged up pretty much. Um, so I think w- what we would do, we would look at the market and then we would think about the customers and, and bear them in mind. But also, we want to make sure that the, the package is valuable, but it also shows the value of the membership as well. So the membership for us is $149 for 12 months. The break, nine, break 100 plan is, is $99. So they can get access to that plan for $99, or they can have a whole whole year's worth of sort of coaching plans and support from us and be a part of what we're doing for an extra $50. So mm-hmm. a little bit is the, okay, well, we still feel that's really valuable, but it really shows the value, how valuable the membership site is then really. So it's a little bit linked to that as well. Right. I think you guys are aware that, you know, the, the more you can get a customer or clients to, to buy in, the more effective it's going to be. So if someone, you know, whether they've got to pay for six months coaching in advance, if they can just say, look, I'm going to have six months worth of coaching with you, we know the results that we're going to get. With the last year that we've had being in a pandemic, many coaches around the world still in lockdown right now. I think that we're, we're all starting to consider kind of alternate forms of delivering our coaching. And that's what came to mind when I, when I saw those coaching plans. Do you see the landscape of, of, of coaching kind of changing over the next years as we've discovered that remote coaching may be a more viable option and that it, it actually might get really good results that you can affect someone's game, be effective without actually standing there in front of them? I think so. I think there is a big shift and certainly the situations pushed everybody probably five years earlier than they needed, than they were probably thinking. But I think, I think one of the things as well, talking about, you know, making sure that you can get the most improvement because it is hard coaching online because you know yourselves that when there's something in the way and you haven't got that in-person sort of contact, there's a communication thing that isn't there and what's applicable to me. So when we're going through the coaching plans, one of the big things that we always talk about is how are we not going to mess them up? Like how, when we do this, okay, how can we deliver the content and what do we need to think about that, that doesn't mess them up? 
you know, that we've learned from our coaching. So that's a big part of it. But from the results that we see and from the comments that we get, I think one thing that when we created these plans, we always want to do the best possible uh, package that we can do that's going to give them the maximum benefits. And we weren't necessarily sure when we put them out, how, how effective are they going to be? You know, how, how good are they going to be for people? But I think even we were surprised with the comments that we get and people are saying, oh, I've done break 100 and two weeks in, I've broke 100. This is amazing. And that surprised us to a certain way as well because you've, you've got that little bit of a question. Well, this is online content. How good can this deliver in the results? But I think it's proved that you can. And some people, yes, they're going to get me- uh, mixed up with some type of thing. But for a lot of the people, they're seeing some great results and there's certainly some benefit out there as well. I, th- I think golf swings will always be hard to coach online. That's, gonna, that's always going to be hard, obviously. But getting someone around a golf course easier you can do that quite easily. You know, you can actually just put put out a full program on, you know, let's just get you around the golf course better. Because how many times would you go out on the golf course with one of your clients and go, oh my goodness, you, you, you do that normally? Why, why do you even try and do that? You know, yeah. so we're all been there. And I think that's a real good opportunity moving forward. Guys, you gave us 45 minutes at the front end. You've actually given us closer to 55 minutes. We can't thank you enough for that. Are we, are we and, stopping? Are we thought we can carry on. Oh, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I love a quote. I'm not too sure where it came from, but a coach is like a candle, consumes itself to light the pathway for others. And you guys are clearly doing that. You're not only doing that in person, but you're doing that for um, millions with your influence, both online, meaning through YouTube, and also through your uh, website or subscription model business. So uh, for all the listeners out there, thanks for sharing uh, all the wisdom, both from the player side and also the coach's side. I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate it and be excited about it. And hopefully that means just that little bit more traffic, not that you need a whole lot more, but a little bit more traffic uh, (laughs) heading your way. No, thank you. Appreciate we're, we're counting on it. We're counting it. But you know, you guys as well, please. I mean, you've done an amazing job with what you do with not just your, your, your podcast, but your content as well. I think you guys are great. And we're looking forward to it. We've, we've spoke about it. We've done the podcast on each side now. Let's see if we can hopefully one day soon do some in-person stuff together. It'd be really cool. Yeah. You may not want the camera all up close and personal. <laughs> Corey and I, we're, we're like the 20, we're, we're like 20 foot right field now. of you, we're right? We're staying a little further away. <laughs> Thanks a lot, boys. We appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about Altus Performance, go check out altusperformance.com. We're also pretty active on Instagram, so follow at Altus Performance, and you can also follow on Twitter at Team Altus. If you haven't done so, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review, share it with others, and be sure to stay tuned to future episodes of Earn Your Edge. Thanks for listening.